What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast, where everyone has a story and everyone's story matters. What's your story? If you would like to support the show and help us tell more stories like the one you're about to hear, please visit crazyfaceuno.com today, where you can purchase items from our online store or donate. As always, I'm your host, Shane McNeely, and boy, are you in for a treat today. It is my honor and privilege to introduce my guest today, Savannah Becknell. Welcome, Savannah. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining the show. Sure. How are you today? I'm good. I'm tired. I know. I feel like... I'm ready for the weekend, but it's almost here. Yeah, I've had a, you know, we were just talking, but I've had a kind of a weird week. We had family in, so the wife's family was in last weekend and into a few days this week. And so then they left and now it's like, oh, it's Friday already. I know. <laughs> it's like, oh. Things happen quickly. Yeah. It's like, oh, the weekend's back. So. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Savannah, fill us in on kind of what you're up to these days i know we we uh we attempted this about a week ago and we had some technical difficulties and we postponed (laughs) and went this way so if you're noticing a little uh off off rhythm here folks that are listening uh that's probably why i'm feeling a little uh a little uh out of rhythm i guess with this one but uh savannah we we actually met uh through ijm the international justice mission the event uh that we ended up both working uh, just over a year ago now it's crazy Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah it is crazy it feels like forever ago but also yesterday at the same time yeah Yeah. it's like yeah it's that's exactly how i describe it as well (laughs) it's like it feels like just the other day but also like not at the same time um yeah, so that was in Texas, um, kind of just, <laughs> we'll tell that story here in a little bit, actually, because yeah. it's kind of funny. Uh, I was thinking about that the, the other day. One. Yeah, uh-huh. especially, like, how we first met and, like, when we first met, you know? Uh, oh, man. Like, walking into your hotel room and with uh, Lauren, and you guys were sitting there going through spreadsheets. and <laughs> I know, yeah. Like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> That's exactly what I felt. It was like, I've worked on this for a year. And then you walked in, you were like, so I'm going to take this over and help help you on this. I remember talking to Lauren and being like, can I trust him? Like, can I give this over to him? And he's like, she's like, oh, yeah, like, Shane's great. Like, okay, if you say so. But it was a great decision. And I'm really glad that you came along and helped us because I think yeah. we were a little fatigued and brain dead at yeah that point. so having I, like a new a new face and a new mind to think about it was really helpful I think that was just it to be completely honest like you guys have just been staring at it for so long that you know it's one of those that once you can kind of pull yourself out you know or fresh eyes uh, for sure you know it's uh just a, a just a different perspective uh once I kind of came in and I was like completely fresh and new and whatever and didn't have to stare at that for days on days and days on days and uh, yeah yeah so forever yeah. yeah and I had always said I was like I'll design all the spreadsheets you want I'll create the <laughs> systems but I do not want to implement it yeah um, and I'm the opposite so, so it's yeah perfect. so it was really helpful I remember Lauren all week she was saying 
like, are you sure you don't want to do this? You know, like, this is your baby. I was like, no, I really don't. I'm not just saying that <laughs> because I'm afraid of it or whatever, but I just know it's not in my giftings. And so I think yeah. it'd be better if someone else took it over. And so you did. And that was really helpful. Yeah. Well, and, and if you're listening, we're kind of talking about it, but haven't really discussed what it was. It's like logistics. So we had mm-hmm. over a thousand people from how many different countries? I think... 19 19 different countries um and we had to get so there was like two parts to the this event and one was in dallas um Mm -hmm. at a hotel area kind of convention center area and uh we had to get everybody that was from these 19 different countries with this organization to this camp basically um that we had decked out or the ijm had decked out and the staff that was coordinating the event um, had kind of transformed this, this camp, uh, space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we had to get everybody onto these buses, but everybody had specific needs. So from like nursing mothers. So there was mothers uh-huh. that had babies and they needed car to be able to stop and, and have car seats and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, nurse their babies and uh, all this different stuff. And so there's like those like little logistical things too. Um, right. I don't and know. then, yeah, we just had to make sure all the teams were there. Like, it was a huge yeah. security thing. And so right. uh, some teams weren't there. And so that was really scary. Yeah. Like, we were like, oh, we the entire Australia team is not here. Yeah. How do we even find them and get in contact with them well, and, and make sure that they get on a bus? Exactly. And so that was the other part because we didn't want to split up all the groups necessarily. Yeah. So you want to keep people together. Some were like people from Thailand who spoke Thai mm-hmm. and, um, you know, like – their translators and the people that were with them like needed to be with them so that they could communicate and, and uh yeah. to the people from you know the spanish speaking countries to wherever it was and it was uh logistically we we ran into a few snags in the beginning <laughs> it was funny cuz i i remember at one point in time it was like we just got to get everybody there at this point in time it doesn't matter like it's, I know. it's it's like success is just getting everybody there at this point in time it's already a disaster the food was a disaster <laughs> there was like lack of water the we couldn't uh, leave the security team was like uh they're pulling us in every different every which way in different directions and uh it was a it was quite the yeah. fiasco to get there but once we got there things kind of smoothed out and we we're able to able to uh have a successful event it was pretty fun yeah yeah i think that was the craziest thing about it is that it felt like in that point of time it felt like a huge failure oh, like yeah. it was like the lowest low yeah but we also <laughs> but we got everybody there and yeah it was fine yeah like i remember the last people got on the bus and i just like broke down in tears yeah <laughs> that was so stressful it was like i just it was extremely repressed all this stress and tension for the last like three hours that we were putting people on buses and I just had to uh, let it go a little bit, but it ended up being totally fine. Yeah. Even though it was chaotic and ridiculous. Yeah. Even though it was, was they left what two hours later or three hours later than they were supposed to. And (laughs) we had like deadlines. So we were trying to get people there on time and these specific things because there was a second part to the event. So, Mm -hmm. and then there was a bus that broke down on the way. There was (sighs) all kinds of everything that could have gone wrong pretty much did, but at the end of the day, yeah. everything worked out and we got everybody there. People were yeah. and mad the and next, frustrated. I know. <laughs> but 
then the next time we had to do it, we had to put everybody on buses to get them to the airport. It was so smooth yeah. because we had kind of had a test run yep. already, basically, yep. and it was totally fine, and we worked it out. So, mm-hmm. And we were kind of a little more familiar with each other, too, I think, at that point in yeah. time and had a, had a little bit more, uh, like, just the expectations or, like, roles and kind of what people were doing was able to be a little more fleshed out and yeah. yeah, but that was that was interesting too of getting a thousand people to an airport, uh, uh-huh. nineteen different countries. So you know, had to get through customs and get there on time. Like yeah. time, time was very important on that part. On that, yes, that flights at the... all different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, we had to. I think we were supposed to. The plan was to get them to the airport four hours early, yeah, just in case anything happened. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and I that think went we off without a hitch. Like, yeah, I think we woke up at like three thirty to get the first people on buses. And they that had was to leave ma- at like five. Right, that was maybe my mistake. I was like, we were still working on stuff, and it was like midnight, one o'clock, and I was like, I'm just gonna stay up for our next oh two gosh. hours. So you were crazy that next day. Yeah, I was so tired, so sleep deprived. Yeah, yeah. So my feet hurt so bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those rocks yeah, were so uh, those ankle yeah. rollers out there. Yeah, so we've seen each other at our worst, basically, yeah. and the most chaotic and crazy and stressed. Yeah. So, super fun. Yeah, but it was such a good event. It was awesome. It was. <laughs> yeah, it even was with everything. Uh, so, now that we've done that, why don't you fill us in on kind of what you're up to these days? Yeah, um, so I got involved with IJM because I work for Crew, which is widely known as a college ministry and so they help empower college students in their faith yeah Uh, but I work for a little branch of crew called crew city so I actually don't work with any college students but mostly work with recent grads and young professionals that move to DC and kind of helping them land after their first two years of college it's a really big transitional time and just a big time in your adult life when you're figuring things out and so I do a lot of coaching and training and I didn't when we first came to DC, we were still kind of figuring out what we were doing. Our team was new. And so crew loaned me out to IJM for a year, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, so I was getting paid by crew, but, uh, working for IJM, which was really amazing. Um, so yeah, so I'm still working for crew part time and then I walk dogs the rest of my time. That's awesome. The greatest job on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you get involved with the dog walking? How did that come about? Yeah. So after the event, uh, I realized that I spend a lot of my time hustling and trying to prove my worth. And I think with the IJM event, I just worked all the time. And I just Mm -hmm. felt really insecure in the work I was doing because I'd never done it before. Like I I talk to people and lead Bible studies for my job. So organizing an event was very outside of my comfort zone and something really different that I'd never done before. And so I just felt really worn out and really like, I always, I always feel this need to be doing something really, really important. And I kind of wanted to pull away from that a little bit. And so I decided I was going to do something fun for the other half of my job. Uh, And so we, Francis, my husband, we hadn't gotten a dog yet, uh, but I was, asking probably every day if we could get a dog and (laughs) he was not a fan um and so I was just looking at jobs and dog walking was an easy one he was Francis was like hey that could be a great kind of way to see if you really want a dog uh and so I walked dogs for a couple months and then we ended up getting a dog 
Yeah. After that. So it worked out in my favor. He had his fingers crossed like, oh, please, please don't like (laughs) this. Yeah. He was like, you're going to see how much work this is. Yeah. I actually really love it. That's awesome. My wife was similar. uh, Dana, when, when we were kind of, I don't know, she'd been like, we both wanted a dog, you know? And I was like, Mm -hmm. we just, we can like need to have our own place first. You know, we were looking at houses and kind of like looking at buying a house and whatnot. And we both had, you know, I, I had roommates and lived in rented this house and, and she was in an apartment and it was like, how are we going to do this? You know, like we're going back and forth right. all the time. Like it's just logistically, it's a nightmare right now, you know? And it's like, uh, let's just wait till we have a place. And then on top of that, it was like, you know, renting a place is just, there's extra rent and there's extra right. these extra things and so we're like i was just like we're, we're already looking at this like let's just slow down like we can get one but like let's just get our own place first so yeah. as soon as we had a purchase agreement written up and we're ready she was like started sending me uh all the dog yeah like all yeah. adoption like pictures and stuff and i was like yeah. no no like just wait like come on like just wait like mm-hmm. hold off and Eventually, she sent me the picture of Chance. It was actually a video on Facebook. It was one of her coworkers uh, had uh, told her about Chance, and I was like, "Okay, we can check it out." Like, yeah, <laughs> she was like, "Really?" He's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, there's just something that. about that little guy that I was like, well, "Okay, this one seems cool. Like, let's check him out." So I know I love him. History. I've never met him, but I love him. Yeah, he's the sweetest little guy. Yeah, <laughs> we. Uh, I had to. I was just telling you. So if you're if you're listening. Um, it's funny because you guys don't get to see necessarily how this whole recording process goes, but I'm currently sitting in my bathroom. Um, I have a comforter over the like shower curtain part. So kind of give it a little more. I've got a couple blankets over the door and over the lights just to kind of dampen the sound a little bit. You know, bathrooms are a little echoey usually and got some pillows, got everything. I've got a clothes basket on top of the toilet and I'm sitting in a chair and uh, <laughs> there is construction going on outside of our apartment. They're like cutting the cement and like, it's just loud. And I was like, this is not going to go well. We've already done, we've already pushed this back one week. Like <laughs> we gotta, we gotta fix something up. So I, uh, yeah. but so he was in here earlier and I made a, said something to him and he starts like knocking his tail against the, the wall. So he's currently not yeah. in the studio. Normally he's my little co-host, but not uh, today. Not today. You know, yeah, Ford this morning was wild, as usual. And so <laughs> I <laughs> exercised him and played with him as best as I could. So I think he's sitting at his place by the front door, and That's I'm hoping awesome. he will stay there. But we'll see. Yeah. You might hear some barking or, like, gallivanting. I like this. it. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's all good. He's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, Savannah, as uh... – you know, we've we've kind of talked about what you're up to these days. So you're working with crew, mm-hmm. you're walking dogs. You're also a certified Enneagram coach, correct? That's right. Yeah. And uh, so how would you describe or how would you, you know, tell people if they've never, they've probably heard me talk about it, but um, if they're not familiar with Enneagram, how would you describe it? Yeah. So it's a personality tool. Um, so just like a lot of the ones out there, 
Um, it helps you understand yourself and grow in self-awareness. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the Enneagram literally means nine types in Greek. Okay. Uh, and so it's nine different personality types. Uh, but what I think is really great about the Enneagram that's different than other personality tools is that uh, it's really holistic. And so yeah. uh, there, you know, sometimes I, I think the Enneagram has gotten kind of big in culture right now. And so this isn't always a like broad understanding of the Enneagram, but the way I understand it um, is that we're all a little bit of each nine types. Yeah. And there's just one that we use the most. That's our dominant type. And so if you think of them all as tools, um, they're all important and we need them for different jobs, Yeah. but we tend to just pick one up the most. And so um, you might pick up the hammer the most, but if you're doing plumbing, picking up a hammer is not the appropriate tool for you to use. Sure. Uh, and so I think more than anything, it's a relational tool and understanding how other people see the world and what tools they pick up to fix things and how yeah. we can learn from each other and learn how other people kind of cope and deal with the world and grow in that. Uh, so that's why I really like it. And it was uh, the most helpful thing in me and Francis's marriage when we first got married. Yeah. I like I like to say I understand like twenty five percent of what he does. The <laughs> other seventy five percent is kind of a mystery. Yeah. Uh, and so the Enneagram has really helped us kind of have language around how we process and understand sure. things. So that's been really helpful for us. So absolutely. Um, yeah. So I got certified as a coach about a year ago and so I use it a lot in my job through crew, so in mm-hmm. coaching, uh, and I also use it a lot in our church with leadership and other people that are just interested in knowing more about themselves and volunteers and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. The way you describe I really like that with like the hammer and, you know, like if you're doing mm-hmm. plumbing, you're not necessarily going to use a hammer. I also right. liked in the book, uh, The Way Back to You. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I think it's the road. The road. Maybe. There it is. The road back to you. I always forget. I, I, it's I like know. Whatever that name just doesn't stick in my brain. Um, There's another one, too, that's called The Path Between Us, and so I always confuse them. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But anyways. I think I've only read The the Road Back to You. Yeah. But uh, he talks about, you know, like there's 7 billion plus billion people in the world, mm-hmm. and like you can't just boil people down into just nine different types, but... If you For walk sure. into a paint store, you know, you look at, you've got the the base colors. There's like nine, you know, whatever, like Roy G. Biv. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you can mix these colors up and you create different shades and different um, like colors. And, and I, I really like that example or like how that kind of explains just like this meshing of these different types of personalities. And yeah, yeah. there's one that kind of is the most dominant that kind of sticks out and Right. Yeah. And like I'm so I identify as a type one. But mm-hmm. if you like if you attach the color blue to ones, there's like an infinite amount of shades of blue. Right. And so even other people that are ones, we might think similarly or there might be some similarities in our personality, but it doesn't mean we're exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I'm a four. Yeah. So I love force. The feeler. So fun. Yeah. We need force. <laughs> we're we're great. We um, are. They are. And they, I think I heard you say uh, Francis is a nine. He is, and Dana is too, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So our nines, nines they're they're good uh-huh. people. They're good people. 
Yeah, they're so flexible, so easy. I know. They have to be with me, so it's like I'm it makes sense way. as to why like, you know, we found each other. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Like, oh. You need you need some balance to the extremeness yeah. in our personality. So yeah. To the chaos in my brain. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> right there with you. Yep. Yep. Uh, Savannah, if we look back and, and we go back in time a little bit, I like to kind of, you know, bring people back to childhood and kind of work back to present day. How would you describe your childhood? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, I mean, I think everybody kind of thinks their childhood is normal. Uh, like, I feel like when I think about it, there doesn't seem to be anything extraordinary about it but like um, I don't know any different (laughs) right yeah but uh, I did move a lot when I was a kid Uh, and so my parents before I was born they were actually in the Peace Corps and uh, yes my mom was a lawyer before that and she uh, ended up not liking it and which is a really like crappy decision have to make is yeah. like oh I've been going to school for this forever but it's really not something I want to do yeah and so she really wanted to help people and that's why she became a lawyer but just like a lot of lawyers figured out that it's really hard to help people mm-hmm. through being a lawyer uh, and so her and my dad were like well screw this we're just gonna join Peace Corps and kind of uh, quit our jobs and move away and yeah. so we moved to Papua New Guinea uh, which is near like Australia Mm -hmm. and they lived there for a few years uh, and then my mom ended up getting a job with Peace Corps and so we lived in Africa for the first five years of my life Wow! Uh, and so yeah were you born there I was I was born in Namibia which is right above South Africa that's awesome Uh, yeah so I don't I don't remember a ton of it since it was so early in my life but uh, yeah it's a cool part of my history and uh, both of my siblings are adopted, one from Ethiopia and one from Baltimore when we moved uh, back to the States. And so, yeah, my parents have always had this idea that we should care for the world and mm-hmm. be aware of what is happening around us and that there are lots of people that are less fortunate than we are and yeah. that we should care for them and be aware of what's happening. Uh, and so that's always been something that we just talked about around the dinner table. Um, and even, you know, both my siblings are black. And so we've always talked about race and just all kinds of issues, yeah. uh, which, you know, later once I got to college, I was like, oh, my parents have given me a sociology education, basically. Yeah. And a lot of people don't learn this, which I didn't realize. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like they always instilled in us that we should be culturally aware and should care about other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm really thankful that that's kind of always been instilled in my blood. It feels like. Yeah. That's a mm-hmm. really unique opportunity. And and like you said, it, it it's the, like you have a sociology degree just like straight out yeah. of the, <laughs> just from natural life and, and yeah. understanding. Do you see, you know, you kind of touched on this obviously, but um, do you see this, your upbringing and, and some of your experiences throughout your life um, and your early years, do you see that come out like quite a bit nowadays or as you've gotten older, is there, is there moments when you're like, Oh, like this was a unique experience that I had. And like, this is yeah. why I think this, this way or don't think this way or. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, uh, so when I went to college, I went to University of Maryland, and I started as a journalism major. And the reason I really wanted to do that, which I I didn't really realize until later, is that I really wanted to give a voice to the voiceless. And so I was always really Mm -hmm. interested in telling stories of people that we don't always hear from and uh, really important things that were happening around the world. And that didn't end up working out. I switched my major and Mm -hmm. sociology was the only other class that interested me that year. So I was like, well, guess I'm becoming a sociology major. (laughs) And so I was always, I just grew in my um, love and understanding for justice and um, just for the nonprofit sector and uh, just for really paying attention to what's happening in the world around us and caring for it. And so, uh, and I remember even in college that was at that time, I don't think social justice was as cool and trendy as it is today. And so I was often seen as kind of like a party pooper. Um, (laughs) If someone would say something racist at a party or something, um, I was always kind of like, oh, okay, Savannah, whatever. Um, But that was just how my parents always really addressed things and talked about things with us. And so to me, it seemed absolutely ridiculous that people would say the things they did Mm -hmm. um, or even about the poor about neighborhoods around us. And I was always shocked by it and I wasn't afraid to call it out. Yeah. Uh, and so, and I think that's definitely still true of me and that's something that I really care about. And I really, um, I'm a huge advocate for the church to care about. Yeah. And yeah, so I definitely see it in the work I do today and the things that I prioritize and care about. Absolutely. That's cool. That's really cool. You said you, uh, switched majors to sociology. Yeah. What was your major before then? Yeah, it was journalism. Journalism. Um, uh-huh. So I was editor-in-chief of my school paper in high school, mm-hmm. and I was just determined that that was what I was going to do. I loved Gilmore Girls. Rory Gilmore is yep. a journalist, and I just wanted to be her. And so <laughs> uh, I just thought that was a really exciting, fun life. Uh, but then I was working for a college newspaper, and uh, I was working the facilities management beat, which is basically like construction and when things go wrong with any buildings on campus. And so I would get a lot of calls in the middle of the night that a pipe burst or that something was happening in a dorm, and I had to get over there now. And I just really didn't enjoy that urgency of the 24-hour news cycle, and I just started thinking about my life, and I'm definitely more of a settled homebody type of person sure i like an adventure every once in a while but um and so i just really started thinking about having a family and my future and did i want to prioritize that career over everything and i just did it um and so i remember uh, but i've always i'm not a big quitter and so i really Mm -hmm. didn't want to switch and I remember a friend sitting me down and just saying, hey, you're really miserable. Like, I don't think you're enjoying this. I don't think you like how this life is set up. Um, what a good friend. I, really, I know. It was something I really wanted, but I just realized it wasn't right. And so yeah, uh, I shocked everybody and switched. But I'm really glad I did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. D- did you have other interests? Like, did you have other, like, extracurricular? Were you involved in, like, sports or band or choir or? Yeah, in high school. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty much anything that showed that I was smart and capable, I would get involved (laughs) in. Um, So I've always been a big prover, hustler, wanting to show that I can do everything. And so, um, yeah, and so I was part of Honor Society and 
um, other clubs like that. Uh, I was really, I took French for seven years. So I was in French club and did all kinds mm-hmm. of trips with them and stuff. Uh, and then I, yeah, I worked all through high school too. So I was busy. a busy, busy person. Yeah. Yeah. But do yeah, you, I was really into school. Did you have, were you, would you, did you have a lot of friends? Were you like, what was like your friend group that you ran around with? Yeah, I, I feel like I had a mixture of friends and that it kind of changed as high school moved on. I mm-hmm. feel like I started out with a lot of friends. And then as I got kind of into senior year, uh, I was, I don't know, I think I was just kind of ready to go and be away from mm-hmm. high school. And I would kind of felt hurt in some of my relationships. And so yeah. uh, it's funny because Francis has like, this group of friends from high school that he gets together with, you know, once or twice a year. Yeah. And I just don't have a lot of friends from high school. And I think it's just, I just made really amazing, like beautiful community in college. Yeah. Uh, And that was what I stuck with. So yeah, I'm um, the same way. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like high school is just a weird, kind of a weird, bitter time for me. And I wasn't my best person. Yeah. And so I don't feel like I was really capable of really good friendships I don't know when do when do you feel like that changed as you got older yeah I feel like uh, my freshman year of college uh, I feel like I so I went to University of Maryland which is not my first choice it's 20 minutes from home which is mm-hmm. not what I wanted <laughs> um, but my my parents sat me down and kind of explained to me about student loans and I was like okay I guess I'm going to school in state yeah uh which I'm really thankful they did yeah and hindsight's always 2020 you're like thank you mom and dad (laughs) yeah and it was a great college experience and it it felt like I was far enough from home um and so yeah I think my freshman year of school since I kind of I felt like I kind of cut all those high school relationships away and so I was lonely and sad and uh, I think that was the first time that I really experienced uh, some depression and just kind of figuring out what my life was going to look like. And uh, I was having, I was really struggling in my faith and yeah. my relationship with Jesus. And if I wanted that to be my own or if I really believed it or if yeah. it was just something my parents had always taught me. And I just, uh, I got really involved in crew which was really great. And I think a lot of people didn't realize that I was not doing well, but I just kind of went hoping that something would happen. Yeah. And I just had a lot of women that really surrounded me and let me ask hard questions Mm -hmm. and be authentic with them. And that was really, really helpful for me. And it felt like the first time that I could really be myself and be known and understood. Yeah. Uh, And so so I think that really, yeah, I think that really changed everything. Uh, And I really, I see that time in my life as so transformational and really hard, but just a time where you really have to ask the hard questions and push into, you know, what kind of life do I really want and what do I want it to look like Mm -hmm. and what kind of people do I want to surround myself with? And I feel like in high school, you don't really get to ask those questions, (laughs) you know, it's kind of like, here you are and things happen to you and you don't have much control. Yeah. Which is hard. Well, yeah. and, and it's your perspective. It's your focus. It's like, right. I don't know. Things start to shift. This is something I've been thinking about a lot lately is just how, you know, like what I, I just asked that kind of question is like, what, what's the difference between like high school, like brain and like nowadays brain, you know, and like, yeah. what's that evolution look like? And it's, it's maturity obviously. And like, you're, you're getting older, but 
it's the like responsibilities just change completely. You know, all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you're starting to think about the future. You're starting to think about the repercussions of your actions a little bit more. And not that you don't think about those in high school, but they're more like present. They're more like immediate. And, you know, nowadays if you don't, you know, you don't bring in any money, if you don't take care of your responsibilities, it's like you're out on the street. You don't have a place to live. You, you know, you default on your mortgage or you don't, pay your rent and the repercussions are just the the consequences are so much bigger yeah and I think the the freedom of college too really changes everything like I think I've I've lived a lot of my life like just wanting to be good and just wanting Mm. people to think that I was good yeah Yeah, and I think college was the first time I asked myself like what do I really want Mm. and even you know that switch from journalism to sociology like at at UMD, journalism is a huge program. It's really competitive and yeah. uh, it's kind of, you know, higher ranked in that way. And so I felt really important excelling in that and mm-hmm. working for the school newspaper was a big deal. And so to give all that up for sociology, which most people don't think is like real or important, <laughs> yeah. was really hard. But it was something that I wanted. And uh, and so I feel like I always struggle with kind of making those decisions as sometimes I want yeah. my life to feel really big and important. Um, how do you balance kind of, that? Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm like looking myself in the mirror asking the same question, know. you know, like I, I, know. I go back I and know. forth with that. Um, because yeah. I, I do want to, I do want to do things that are important, you know, like yeah. legitimately, like that's. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting that, but at the same time, it's finding that balance of sure. of staying humble, staying, you know, I don't know. It's just chasing yeah. that. It can't be your focus to be like doing something big. It has to be doing something you care about that, that leads that right. direction in some ways, but it's hard to, balance that mindset sometimes and totally and i think we like our what our culture views as important isn't always what's the most important and so even like i've had conversations with myself and with friends of like if i just you know love my husband really well and care for my dog the rest of my life like that's really important yeah Uh, but i you know i i hold myself to such a high standard yeah that I should be doing all these things and part of all these things. And it doesn't I feel think, like enough. Yeah. It never feels like enough. And I, I feel like more and more I'm just simplifying mm-hmm. and integrating and making things more about just the little things. Yeah. And maybe one day that will become a big thing. Yeah. But for now I'm happy just like doing what I do and caring for people and serving people in the small ways. Yeah. And then, Maybe that'll end up being a big thing eventually, but if it doesn't, right. that's also okay. But well, yeah, and, it's always hard for me. And and you know, like you look back, it's like the small things that make the biggest impact sometimes, and at least have in my life. You know, like the yeah. things you think about, like people didn't do things to like have this big impact in my life. They just right. They just did them, and they had an impact on my life, not like with yeah. the intention to have. You know, and so, um, yeah, yeah I, I think, love that. I think that's like important to just stay present and stay focused on the present day and kind of what you're working on. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I'm like, it's like I'm trying to process it myself. So I'm an I external know. processor as well. And so I'm like, I don't even know how to like articulate what's in my brain with that. But yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a weird balance of life and weird balance of 
um, you know, like wanting, and I, I think everybody wants to, I think it boil to boil it all down. I think it's purpose, you know, people yeah. really want purpose. They want to have uh -huh. this purpose. They want to feel like they're, they have meaning and value. And, um, at least that's for me, you know, like I want purpose, I want value. And yeah. I think, you know, one of the big challenges for me or one of the big struggles in this transition to Florida and this transition for me. And if you've been mm -hmm. listening to the podcast for a while, like people have heard this come up several times, but it, it's been the switch to not being a provider for my family and for my wife. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that that's something that it's challenged me on the core of maybe I think it's in a great way. You know, I think it's challenged me in a really great way of kind of reevaluating what's important. Uh, what my value is, you know, and who I am. Like my value isn't in the things that I provide for my family. My value right. is in the person that I am and the way that I provide uh, myself yeah. to my family and to to my wife. And um, you know, and she continually reminds me that, like I, I, like when you're happy, when you feel like you've accomplished things, you know, I'm happy. And like I have to keep that in perspective. Of it's like I don't have to do a bunch of things to make her love me more I just I need to be yeah. the best version of myself and she loves me for that and yeah yeah that's so good and I think I think that is like I mean as someone who works primarily with millennials um I know that uh, out of all the most recent generations that millennials prioritize finding passion and purpose at work over all else even yeah. financial stability yeah and that's a really big difference between, you know, baby boomers mm -hmm. who uh, they kind of, you know, worked nine to five and then found their passion and purpose outside yeah. of work. And so I think a lot of us are really wrestling with that yeah. of what does it look like for our work to be fulfilling, but for us also right. not to put everything into it because yeah. it can never really fulfill everything you need. Yeah. Um, which is a really hard wrestle. But yeah, I love I love that, too that what you just said, because I've, I have several theories with just millennials and like this society nowadays and whatnot. But one is I, I, a, a thing I continually say is we're in good hands, you know, like mm. the millennial generation, they get shit on a lot. And, yeah, uh, for sure. um, some things, you know, like I, I can agree. I can see what you're saying, but other things I'm like, man, they care so much uh, about yeah. the world and like, we're in good hands. Like the future is going to be bright, you know, like they're, they're going to yeah. take care of us. And if there's, if there's anything you want, it's going to be them to take care of us someday and, um, to take care of the world. And they've got such big empathetic hearts. And I think that that's like really important. That's just something that I think is important to humanity. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's just not what's always valued. Yeah, so, yeah. There's a shift um, in value for sure, like in society yeah. these days. Yeah, I mean, it's even it's been surprising to me. Uh, you know, for crew, you have to raise support for your salary. So all of mm -hmm. my salary is from community. So people give, you know, monthly yeah. to pay me to do what I do, which is amazing and crazy. Uh, I can't believe people believe in what I do that much, but. Um, it's been really interesting to me to talk about millennials with people and how uh, we should serve them and care for them and the mm -hmm. pushback I've gotten on that. Cause it's kind of like, Oh, well they're entitled and they have everything they need. Yeah. And like, I hear you talking a lot about, 
empowering them and making them feel encouraged, but like, why aren't you calling them out on their Mm. stuff? And pretty much every millennial I talk to, like, feels like shit about themselves. Yeah. Um, I think that's like, that's not, I don't know. I, I think we have an insecurity and like issue and maybe it's being presented as different than it has before and coming off as arrogance or entitlement. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see that in the people I work with. Really? Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just really interesting people's perceptions of different generations. And I think even just the idea that we want to be fulfilled through work is kind of like, like, okay, you know, work is just a means to an end. Yeah. Like only a couple people get so lucky that they can be fulfilled through work. I agree. So even that is kind of seen as a uh, an ideal uh, that can't be reached, which yeah. is true in well, some respects. But that's yeah. my that's one of my theories too. I, I just think that you know if you look at the older generations, there's they've gone through tumultuous times. You know, there's been yeah. war and conflict and all these things that kind of rallied people together and bonded people together and like did these things and it's a relatively peaceful time you know in our culture today and uh in comparative if if you compare things to the past you know with Mm -hmm. and um but i think that it's the value like we're we're, like we're talking about and wanting value and wanting to stand for something we all want to stand for something you know and we all and and the generations that have gone before us like they have and they've standed for different things and when during these conflicts and these different you know tumultuous times in our history and whatever but and now the millennial generation is like well what do we stand for what do we get to stand yeah. up for and right. the things that they're finding are, are what people call you know like well they just need thicker skin i had i was listening to people mm-hmm. last night yeah. we went to this group and even talking about that and i'm like I, I hear what you're saying because it feels nitpicky right right and and there's these things but i think that that's that's the millennial generation trying to find their value, find their purpose, find their their stake to claim, you know, like to they put their flag down and be like, this is what we're going to stand for. Like, this is what we're going to look back on and, and do and like pushing things forward. And, and it's just the way things go. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, there's you can pick on whatever generation and groups of people <laughs> all day long. And at the end of the day, we just got to find a way to work together right (laughs) but yeah I agree with you yeah it's one of my theories I just think that you know we're all in search of this purpose and value and and Mm -hmm. uh yeah we just look for it in different ways yeah absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. what would you who would were there people growing up uh high school college whatever it might be um that influenced you that kind of inspired you that were um, maybe heroes, if, if you want to go that far um, in your life? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had this journalism teacher in high school. And so uh, at my high school, our newspaper was like a huge thing. It was like a 40-page, ridiculous wow. monthly spread. And so yeah. it took a lot of work and won a lot of awards. And so we had like journalism classes. So it wasn't just an extracurricular. It was actually a class you took. And so from freshman year, I started taking journalism and I just had this journalism teacher, Mr. Keegan, and he was in charge of the newspaper and taught all the classes. And just from the very beginning, uh, it was obvious that he really 
believed in me and valued my writing and saw something in it and um, saw kind of my attention to detail. And that's really, really important in journalism uh, because if you get one mistake wrong, then Mm -hmm. that can be catastrophic. Right. Uh, And so, yeah, so he always just really fought for me and uh, I ended up being editor in chief, which was amazing. And even he, I was having, I really, I had like a goal for my SATs. And so he offered, he was this SAT genius. Like he's the only person in history to question an SAT question and get it changed. Yeah. And so he knows a lot about the SATs. And so he offered to tutor me. And so he did that for free just after school. And that was really helpful for me. Uh, And I got really close to my goal, but not quite there. But uh, yeah, he just always, he did little things like that that really showed that he valued me and believed in me. And I even remember I, my top choice for college was Elon, which is in North Carolina and they have a really great journalism program. Sure. And they, I had also applied for this like scholars program that they had. And so I wanted to get into the journalism scholars. And I remember, you know, getting my acceptance that was really exciting but i ended up getting into the leadership scholars which is like the more general program yeah and i remember telling mr keegan and that he was furious he was so mad (laughs) and he actually called the school and advocated for me and basically said you know she should be in the journalism program like she's the best kid we have and uh, that they didn't take me. They were like, no, she's more of a well-rounded student, so she should be in the leadership scholars. Wow. Um, but it was just really cool to see someone really care for me and invest in me. And in stand that up way. for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like exactly yeah. what you would want in, in you know, totally. a, a teacher or someone that you, yeah. you know, like the people that you trust, you know, like that's what you want for them from them is yeah. them to stand yeah. up and to have your back. Right. And I was always a kid. I mean, I worked really hard in school, but I had to work really hard. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't one of those supernaturally smart kids that could sure. just get good grades really easily. And so it just really meant something that he saw that I was really good at something and yeah. he could call it out and develop it. And I ended up being a really great journalism writer and it landed me a lot of really cool opportunities in college, like right at the start of college. that I think most people wouldn't have gotten opportunity to do so he prepared me really well for that and I think that was a big reason why I did pursue journalism in college even though it didn't turn out to be the exact right thing Uh, I feel like I learned so much from him and so much from that time yeah that's so cool like that's just I don't know I love that I love I love hearing those types of stories of like people standing up for other people I just like yeah I think it's so cool he's so great yeah he still like emails me every so often that's awesome We'll talk and catch up. Yeah, he's the best. That's so great. That's so mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. When you when you switched to sociology, what what year were you? Was that freshman year? Yeah. So I uh-huh, I switched to the end of my freshman year. Nice. It mm-hmm. was that a hard transition. Did you did you feel pretty comfortable with that after you had made that decision, or kind of what were the things that led to that decision? I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but yeah. I mean, I definitely had less schoolwork which was great Mm -hmm. uh, because the journalism program was just really intense. And, uh, you know, I was writing articles for class and then I was writing articles for the paper. And so I was just writing a lot and I just spent a lot of time doing that. And it was, it's really high pressure. Like if you, 
in those classes, if you get one mistake, if you spell yeah. a name wrong, if you make a grammatical error, or if you get a fact incorrectly, you fail automatically. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's just a lot. And I feel like in sociology, there's just so much more of a learning, which I really enjoyed that, sure. you know, there was just so much information and it was a time to be curious and ask questions. And in journalism, it was like, you have to have it all right. And yeah. if you don't have it right, then what are you doing here? And yeah. I just really liked that more flexible approach. And so, yeah, I just, I loved, and I got to do a lot more reading, which I really liked. And sure. I still had to do a lot of writing for papers and things like that. But yeah, so, and the requirements were a lot easier. Like for journalism, I had to take an econ class, which was the worst thing ever. <laughs> I hated it because for journalism, you have to know a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, and so they had all these crazy requirements. And for sociology, it was like, okay, take the most basic math. Yeah. And all these sociology classes. Um, and so I really, I enjoyed it. I was so happy that I switched once I got there, but I had That's no cool. idea what I was going to do in right. the future. That's what I was going to uh, ask next is uh, yeah. kind of like what, as you look to graduate, you know, you're getting your diploma. What was, yeah. what what did that process look like for you? Like what, mm-hmm. what did you do? How did you process that information and kind of like what's next? What's the next right. step I'm going to take? Yeah, well, you can do pretty much anything with sociology. I mean, it's a pretty sure. broad major, but there, are, if you're going to do kind of the academic route, there are two major tracks people take. So it's either social work mm-hmm. or um, like research. And I'd actually been part of uh, the like honor sociology program. And so I'd gotten to do my own research and write a thesis. And that was really interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, and I thought about it. I considered it. But a lot of it is, you know being a researcher, just sitting at a desk. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. Um, And so it was really, really fascinating to me, but I wasn't sure that was what I wanted to do. Either Mm -hmm. of those. And I knew social work was so draining um, and has a really high burnout rate and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I, in college, I'd really grown in my relationship with God and had kind of solidified that a little bit more. And um, I was just seeing a lot in the Bible, how God also cared about justice and caring mm-hmm. for the poor and disenfranchised people. And I didn't see that match a lot uh, in yeah. the church I grew up in or uh, even within crew that I was involved in. You know, I'd kind of recommend doing a, a local uh, like service project or something sure. and it yeah. would get shot down pretty quickly. Uh, and so people just didn't really seem to care about that. And that was really confusing to me because that was like the core of my faith and yeah. what I understood to be faith. And it's like the main theme throughout the entire Bible. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. Um, people disagree with me on that and that's fine. But um, They're wrong. yeah, and so I really, yeah, <laughs> so I really wanted to see those two things come together. And, uh, and so I just wanted to find a place where I could like both love Jesus and talk to people about God, but also yeah. care, care for people and mm-hmm. do justice. And so there is this tiny little part of crew called crew inner city and they do just that. And so I did like a summer, um, like trip with them. Sure. And then, uh, I ended up moving to Milwaukee to do inner city ministry. Milwaukee. And so, it's funny. Yeah. We, we did bring this up the last time and I had already forgotten that, that that's where, and as soon as you said Milwaukee yes. and like got there, I was like, Milwaukee. Yes. I know. I love that's that place. Yeah. 
last time we recorded this, me and Shane talked about Milwaukee for like 25 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and we, were, we needed to move on. Yeah. So yeah. We'll keep it shorter this time because we know none of you want to hear about Milwaukee. It's such, even a good, it's the best. it's such a good place. Yeah. I love Milwaukee yeah. so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that ended up just being a really good fit for me right out of college. Awesome. Yeah. It, yeah. It, what kind of work did you do in Milwaukee? Yeah, so the energy ministry there is really cool. It's all about empowering local churches to serve their communities better. Uh, So Mm. I really like that because uh, a lot of justice work within the church is very white savior-ish, and I'm not a big fan of that. And so I really like the idea that, you know, the churches are the ones that are on the front lines of this work and are caring for the people in their communities and know exactly what's happening in the city and uh, and so we just come alongside them and resource them with whatever they need. And so that looked like, you know, things at Thanksgiving, you know, like Thanksgiving meals to give to their congregation. People could sign up. I uh, also just looked like, you know, creating networks for their pastors to be able to get together and talk to each other. Um, and so I really loved it. I loved being able to experience that kind of work within the church because I just hadn't really seen it before. Yeah. I hadn't seen it done in that way. How long did you spend in Milwaukee then? Yeah, I was there for a year. So I got, I was dating Francis then and we got engaged and nice. he had a job in Maryland. So how I did thought you... I would stay in Milwaukee forever. How did you guys meet? Yes, yeah, so we met at University of Maryland nice. and we actually led a Bible study together. So Aww. pretty, pretty classic yeah. Christian romance. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Was there a moment when you guys were dating that you like knew he was the one? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I feel like we both knew really early on. Yeah. I think like month, we, three months in. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. We were always very serious. Yeah. And very intentional. Like I had, yes, I had, I had like loved him forever. I thought mm-hmm. he was just the greatest and I had a huge crush on him and Aww. he basically didn't know I existed <laughs> until, you know, we started leading the study together and then the whole year passed and he graduated and I was like, okay, I guess that's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he asked me out on a date, surprised me. I had no idea that he was going to do that. I thought we'd just be friends forever and that it'd be fine. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I was always really locked in. I kind of already knew that if we dated, it would end up being something serious. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I think we just kind of, yeah, we knew really early. I don't know if I can pinpoint sure. the time. Yeah. How did he, how did he ask you, uh, how did he yeah. propose so to you? Our, how did he propose to me? Yeah. Uh, so it's a really great story because I was really sick. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so I was living in Milwaukee and I I don't know what I had. I had some kind of stomach thing, which is the worst kind of sickness to have if yep. you're being proposed to. <laughs> and uh, Francis was visiting. So I knew he was coming and I had kind of an inkling that maybe he'd propose. Yeah. And uh, even a friend had texted me the night before and had been like, hey, do you want to get together and paint our nails? Because, you know, Francis might propose. And I was too sick. I was like, I can't. I'm sorry. Uh, And so I was coming home from work. I remember texting him, telling him, like, I feel so bad. Like, I just can't wait to get in my PJs and be in my bed for the rest of the night. And I came home 
and our the whole house was decorated. I was renting this like cool old house in Milwaukee. Yeah. And so there were, you know, like twinkle lights everywhere. And mm-hmm. then I went into my room and he was there. So he'd surprise me and come a day early. So I didn't think he was coming that day. Nice. And he had all these questions around the room that he would ask me. So he'd be like, are you ready to commit our lives to each other? Are you ready to like grow a family and mm-hmm. all these different questions? And then at the end of it, he was like, okay, so will you marry me? And wow. then, yeah. And then after he had set up a like photo thing and he was like, Hey, you really need to take a shower. Are you, <laughs> can you go do that? so that we can go take these pictures. And I was like, yes, 100% agree with you that I need to look like I'm not dying um, <laughs> in our engagement pictures. And then he took me to urgent care later that night. So oh, man. Super fun. Yeah. yeah. You pushed through, got your pictures done, and <laughs> time to go to urgent yes. care. <laughs> yep. Let's go. Yeah. Man. I uh, mm-hmm. chipped a bone in my foot while I was in Milwaukee. So both oh. had, we both took a trip to the... To the uh, medical facilities, I would say. <laughs> Which one did you go to? I don't remember. It was one downtown, I think. Or we I were... went to one downtown, too. I wonder if we went to the same one. Probably. Yeah. They have all those, like, Aurora healthcare places. Yeah. I went I to the... I one of those. I went to the ER, so it was, like... Oh, gotcha. Like a hospital. Yeah. I, yeah. uh... I was playing basketball with these kids. Like, I work with YouthWorks. I don't know oh, if you're cool. familiar. Yeah. So it's like inner city missions work. So similar mm-hmm. maybe to what you were doing. Yeah. And uh, I was the one of the logistics guys with our different teams and whatnot. And I was at one of our sites and they were playing basketball and there's like this little six foot rim, you know, and they're like dunking the ball. And I was like, what, you think this white boy can't, you know, dunk a basketball? I can't. Oh, no, and you couldn't. Yeah. No, apparently <laughs> I couldn't. So oh, no. came down, like rolled my ankle and just like a tennis ball underneath my my foot like my ankle I was like gotta go instantly it was just one of those things where I'm like nope you know like you okay like nope I gotta go to the hospital like let's go like this is bad this is bad (laughs) so yeah fun fun times fun times in Milwaukee so where so you went straight out of college you went to Milwaukee yeah, so I graduated, kind of, I graduated early, so okay. I graduated in December, and so I had about eight months to raise my support, and so I was raising support and working two jobs Through crew. during that time. Yeah, nice. so I was nannying and working as a tutor Awesome. to kind of keep myself afloat yeah. while I was raising support, so. Cool, and then, so you were there for a year. And uh-huh. was that, uh, was that always supposed to be, was it supposed to be longer than that? Was that like, what was that process? When did you trans transition from that into the next stage uh-huh. of life? Yeah. So it was technically an internship. So when you start with crew, you start as an intern cool. and, uh, so I interned for up to two years. And so at the beginning I was like, oh, I'm here for two years, if not more. And yeah, that just got really interrupted. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. after a year, so I think I moved back, I moved up in like August of 2016. And then I moved back July of 2017 or something. Okay. Um, And we were getting married in February the next year. Mm -hmm. So we had a couple months before we were getting married and 
I still kind of wanted to see what else crew had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had applied for some other jobs, but it just really made the most sense to stay within crew. What does crew and, stand for? Yeah, so it, it used to stand for Campus Crusade for Christ, but okay. like the word crusade is super problematic, so they yeah. just shortened it. Um, and yeah, so primarily it's like an evangelistic organization. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and so they were starting this city team in D.C., and it was different than what I had been doing. I was working with millennials and recent grads, but mm-hmm. they were really interested in my passion for justice. And uh, they talked a lot about how they wanted something that was holistic for the whole city. And I really liked that idea. Yeah. So I joined the team. And yeah, Ta-da. it's been really entrepreneurial and interesting. And pretty mm-hmm. much any idea you have, they're like, yeah, try it, which is fun. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And that's where you're at now in Maryland. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. so I work primarily out of D.C., but I live in Maryland. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. And you're part of a like church plant as well, is that correct? That's right, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, when I was in Milwaukee, Francis got involved in this church plant that I actually introduced him to because the pastor of it, it was my youth pastor. Okay. So he he was transitioning out of his old role of youth pastor and planting this new church. And it's called Element. And uh, I really love it because it's a, a seeker-friendly church. And so it's a church for people who are questioning or doubting or don't believe in anything. And yeah. I really love being part of that kind of community that's flexible and open to people that are struggling because I think a lot of times the church is not super open to that Mm -hmm. um and yeah and so he got really involved in that when I was in Milwaukee and kind of moved up in leadership and so when I come back when I came back I jumped into it with him so we've been doing that for for me probably about two years and for him about three years yeah nice I find it so I we've talked a little bit about this but it's um I really like, you know, you mentioned it's a broad range of people, what they believe, don't believe, whatever. Yeah. What, you know, something that I crave, you know, I, I'm sure you've listened, I know you've listened to a lot of the podcasts, but I don't really call yeah. myself a Christian anymore. Um, yeah. It's just not something that I, but like I have a lot of those values, right? And a lot of those things. Totally. And one thing that I really miss about the church is the community and the camaraderie mm-hmm. that you kind of have and that, that uh, it's just an instant, like, community that you have no matter where you go you know and um so i guess the part that like are the people that are coming in like what's the draw to get people coming in is it just a community oriented thing like is it you know you know my classic like church idea you know like is Uh you have your worship you have your music you have your whatever then there's like a little Uh sermon you have this you know then you have these like small groups or whatever you want to do like there's all these different versions um but i feel like that's pretty off-putting to people that don't believe you know Mm -hmm. in the same faith and whatnot so i guess i don't know how to ask the question specifically but what's the draw for people that aren't um, that wouldn't call themselves Christians that don't have the same beliefs as the groups mm. of people. Like what's the reason that they're coming in? What's, what's that draw? Yeah. Yeah. That's the same question we're asking. Um, yeah, I think that's what <laughs> has made 
it difficult in a lot of ways is that it's so non-traditional. Yeah. Like we just do things in a totally different way. And so the normal, you know, like they, they have a strategy for church planting and it just doesn't really work for what we do. Yeah. Um, and so it's definitely smaller and more tight knit than the mm-hmm. average church plant that, you know, hopes to add numbers every week and that kind of stuff. We're more about, you know, depth than quantity. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think just like what you said, like we want, we want to be a home for people and a safe place. So I think that idea that, uh, it's a place where, you know, people who aren't interested or comfortable stepping into a church setting, that they'd be comfortable stepping in where we are. Yeah. Uh, and so we do, we meet in a school, so it definitely doesn't look like a classic church. It's sure. kind of more of a neutral space. We used to meet in a movie theater. Um, and yeah, I think just the way that our pastor, the kind of messages we do, uh, like I just gave a message on emotional health. Um, and, uh, we just did a series on the Enneagram and I feel like we just, we really pay attention to what people really want to hear and the yeah. real problems they're dealing with and not just kind of like, we're just going to preach through the Bible because that's what people do. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like we're always asking that question is how do we bring the nun in, which is, you know, the, the greatest growing, um, like population of people in America, which is people that say they have no religious affiliation, um, which we think everyone is deeply spiritual, you know? And so how do we help people grow in their spirituality and in their faith, uh, even if the traditional roots like aren't appealing to them? Yeah. So, yeah, I love that. Like, I love Shane. I love listening to you talk about that because I think that's so important. And I think a lot of Christians are really scared to ask those questions. Yeah. those deep things like there, I think there's been this idea that if you don't believe the whole Bible, then you're a heretic and you don't yeah. believe in anything. Yeah. And exactly. I think we're really starting to push back against that. And mm-hmm. I know my life has changed a lot and how I think about those things has changed yeah. a lot. Um, and so, yeah, I love that you are authentic and real with those things. Cause yeah. I think it's, I don't know. I think, I, I think people and God want us to be, more authentic and they want us to just like smile and fake it right through our whole lives and for <laughs> me a lot of people do. for me it's like that's what I value that's what I appreciate yeah. you know and and I I was a youth ministry major so you know I came into college I was a nursing major my freshman year and mm-hmm. I got about six months into that after my first semester and I remember being on the phone with my mom and I was like I just don't think this is like what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life, but I don't know what's, you know, she's like, well, that's okay. Like you, you got to figure out what's next. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. And so until I have that confirmation that I'm not like, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. Like, I'm just going to stay in nursing. And, you know, I got to the end of my first year and it's basically like, you're going to be back an extra year. If, if mm-hmm. you, you have, you're, you're not getting into the nursing program basically. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, that's pretty good confirmation that that's not where I'm <laughs> going. I don't want to be here any longer than I have to. Um, and so I switched and, and I was looking at counseling. Um, I was really interested in, in like being a counselor to teens and youth. And mm-hmm. um, I could go the psychology route or I could go the Christian ministers route. And at the time, like, you know, my, my faith was something that was really important to me and something I was really exploring and learning more about. Yeah. And it was a of huge value to me. And, you know, I went to this conservative Christian school and, we had sure. chapel three days a week and mandatory chapel three days a week. And, uh, 
you know, all these different things. And so it was, it was this constant, you know, like that was just a, a theme of that time. And being a youth totally. ministry major, it was something that was really off-putting to me, to be completely honest. Uh, I got, mm. you know, by the time I got to my senior year, I, I had already realized like, that's not, I, wa- I wasn't going to be a youth pastor. That's not what I wanted to be. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know whatever stopped me from going into counseling necessarily, but, um, you know, that was always the intention, I guess. But um, social justice and, and, you know, I was really interested in, like the Peace Corps still is something that like interests me. You yeah. know, like, I love that. Oh, like man. I love giving back so to people. Fun. I love, I love that, like that piece, you know, and mm-hmm. my whole senior year, you could see, I, I want to find my old papers, but I just shifted. <laughs> my whole shift yeah. uh, was towards um, literally my senior year. I would say I, all my, most of my papers were focused around God and the poor and mm-hmm. that theme. And yeah, um, just how, what, what an important, what a like fundamental core piece of what that was, uh, in the Bible in old Testament, new Testament, you know, it's, it's huge. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, but the authenticity was just huge for me. It was such a big piece. And I felt like that was what was missing. It was like, you're, you're teaching me how to evoke a feeling not yeah not like you know a real thing you know like and i didn't like that i didn't i don't want to know like well at this point in time this is when you turn the music on and like this Mm. sets the scene and gives like uh, yeah okay well like you could do that in you know a rock concert and do the same thing and you evoke a feeling you know like what's the difference like i i don't Mm. i don't know i just felt the authenticity piece was missing. And that's just something that's really important to me. And I don't know where that came from. I don't know why that's such an important thing to me, but being genuine and being authentic and, you know, I don't want to run away from who I am and what I believe and what I don't believe. And, um, you know, for a long time, this podcast has really pushed me to be, you know, to, to talk more about what I believe and what I think. And, um, I was afraid of, mostly mom if you're listening mostly my mom you know and and yeah you know like that's something she is you know that's something that's very important to her her faith and and yeah. um you know i just never wanted to disappoint or let down or like mm-hmm. i just didn't want that you know and i my mom and i have had discussions and had conversations and i know she's she's told me many times so mom if you're listening i uh i don't feel this way so we're all good. But, um, (laughs) she's like, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you, you can say that I'm not going to love you, you know? And it's not that that's what was the fear, but you just don't want to disappoint people, you know? And I've been this people pleaser at heart. Like I, I want people to be happy. I hate when people are upset with me. And so I'm constantly at conflict with myself because sometimes being authentic and real and true and genuine is also like in conflict with what other people think and believe and whatever. And so that's, that's a tough piece in, in my life, but yeah, I don't know. This has just really pushed me to be, to be true to that. And, you know, there's a lot of pieces to my faith and my past that I, I really value, you know, like I, I really agree with the red letters of Jesus and helping people and loving people and taking care of them. And I think when you look at that and you look further into that, it's, it's, uh, it's just true to life, you know, whether, all the other little pieces that uh, go along with that, I believe or not, I, I don't, I can't say that I do. 
But um, it's interesting too, because I, a lot of my friends and, you know, we, you kind of touched on it that there are more and more people that are separating themselves from their Christian roots and their Christian beliefs these days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, it's just crazy to me to see some of the people that I never thought would end up in a similar place that me, as me, you know, uh, that they would have held on to some of those Christian values and roots and to see them kind of pull themselves away. But to even to, um, I have one of my, one of my best friends. Uh, he, he doesn't not call himself a Christian. It's just like, what do you mean by that? You know, like mm, it, it comes yeah. with so much baggage. And I guess that's what I try to separate it, myself from. Like, yeah, I just well, don't I want touched. the baggage. Like you have an idea of what I am. And totally. this is my four coming out, as you know. But like, yeah. you don't know me, you know, like this isn't it's true. Like, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to fit in your little box. And yeah. uh, like we can have a conversation about faith and religion and I can appreciate, I can respect you for all of the things that you believe. And there's going to be things that I disagree with and there's going to be things that I do agree with. And and I think that's okay. And I appreciate that. Like, that's his question is like, well, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean by Christian? Cause there's a lot of different like versions of that, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. And I think even within like within Christians, like the broad diversity that that there yeah. is, there is like kind of this group think, yeah mentality (laughs) and even at that at this point in my life like I've had a lot of hard things happen Mm -hmm. over this last year and um I yeah my my best friend's dad died Mm -hmm. um and I yeah there's just a lot that has happened that's been really hard for me and I found myself you know as a leader at a church being like I don't know if God is good yeah Uh, I, I think if I would have been part of a different place, that would have been seen as heretical. 100, 100%. I would have been asked to be stepped down and that, you know, people 100%. would be worried about me and concerned. But yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm wrestling through things and things are hard and faith is confusing. And But that's, that's real okay. life, you know? Yeah, it's, like, okay. it's okay and it's authentic. And I think... Like, even I was wondering, you know, I think for a long time I kind of pushed it down and just kind of had this idea of like, well, God is God. So like, why should I question it? Yeah. But that's just not really what I see as real or important or even biblical. And I'm just not really willing to do that anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like I'm at a place in my life where maybe to a lot of people I look kind of contradictory or confusing which is fine um yeah you know and yeah that is that's just how people are Mm -hmm. it's people are complex and faith is complex and so yeah i think it's really important to kind of to accept that about ourselves and about our relationships with spirituality and god and religion because it is yeah it comes with a lot of baggage and it's deep and weird yeah and that's fine. It's and not just like you become one thing and then you believe all the things of it exactly. all at once. It's not a destination. It's no, a, it's not. It's a, yeah. it's a path. It's a, you know, it's cliche, mm-hmm. but it's the journey. It really is. It's like, it's a process. You just can't. Yeah. You, I don't think that faith and, and what you believe and uh, I don't know. I mean, 
this is this is the part that's like the fundamental Christian values. This is why I just say like, I, I'm not a Christian. Like I don't believe yeah. that. You know, like right. I don't participate in church and any faith activities. I don't do any of that. Yeah. I don't, you know, like once saved, always saved these types of things. Like I don't, I'm not interested. Don't care. Yeah. Um, like heaven, hell, just don't care. I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm interested in like living and yeah. that process and being again, true to myself and trying to be the best version of myself that I can be and to help people along the way, man, I yeah. make mistakes every day. I'm, uh, I can be a real asshole sometimes and Same. you know, like <laughs> I, I like struggle with that, you know, and I, I want to be a good person. I do. Yeah. And I'm constantly working at being the best version of myself and I'm, I'm not going to be perfect every day and that's okay. And, but you know, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I, I don't, it's a lot. It's, yeah. it is a lot and there's so uh-huh. much to unpack and so much to like talk about, but there's just, I don't know. I, I just, mm-hmm. I'm more focused on, on that and, and just trying to be the best version of myself and help people along the way and, and to love other people as well. And, um, I think that at the end of the day, if that's not good enough, then I'm not good enough and that's okay. And mm-hmm. I've accepted that, you know, and, yeah. but I don't believe that necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, totally. I just think that you're coming from for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, It's interesting. What, um, anyways. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now that we've got that tangent out of the way, I love it. I can talk about that kind of thing. So important. Yeah. I, I love talking about it. I really do. And you know, that's, there's a lot of things. It's, it's just a theme that keeps coming up, but I think it's a theme that, you know, a lot of people wrestle with and struggle with and whatnot. But um, as you look into, you know, current day and kind of where you're at, when you look back on your life, is there anything you would do different? Oh, um, I don't, I don't know. I hate these kinds of questions. I know. Because it's like, I can't do They're kind of loaded. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't change anything and I can't control anything. Yeah. So I think, I don't know. I think maybe subconsciously I wish I could change things. And I think that is something that I'm kind of working through right now Mm -hmm. is that my life feels really different than I thought it would at this point. And that feels really hard for me. And I can't really pinpoint what it is that I wish was different, but it just, it feels like my expectations haven't been met. And Mm. I tend to have this really, formulaic view of life that I think that is from my like you know southern baptist roots of like sure. if you obey and do good things like good will come to you yeah. and See, that face. has not been true <laughs> yeah. of my life and so I think I'm really yeah I'm wrestling through a lot of those things and struggling through like how does life actually work yeah and can I be okay with where I am even though it doesn't look exactly as I thought it would or maybe the sure. future feels harder than yeah. I thought it would. Um, so, but I feel like there's, yeah, there's also been so much beauty in it mm-hmm. and so much light and goodness that I can't, I don't know. I'm, I'm thankful that I'm at a place where things feel harder and darker than I thought they would, but also like richer and more complex. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah, it's a I good place to I'd be though. Yeah. Know? I don't know, you know, but there've been a lot of like really shitty things that have happened that yeah. I wish didn't happen, yeah. but they did. So mm-hmm. yeah. how do I learn how to cope with those and 
like kind of deal with those, like those open wounds that might be mm. open forever. Yeah. Um, but also accept that they're just part of who I am and part of my life. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that I'm definitely not there yet. I am, sure. I'm working on it, but it is, yeah, it's really hard to just accept your life as it is. Yeah. Um, I yeah. hear you. And, mm-hmm. Well, let's flip that question. What are you most proud of to date? Oh man, I'm so hard on myself. So it's that those kinds of questions are really hard. Like my, <laughs> my counselor asked me to ask what my greatest strengths were and I had to think for like 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, what am I proudest of? I think I'm really proud that I live a life that's reflective of what I value yeah. and what I prioritize. And that's something I've been working really hard on is not doing the things that I feel like I should do or the things that are important in other people's eyes or mm-hmm. in the world's eyes or whatever it is, but what's important for me and what I think is valuable and what I want to chase after. And so that integrity and authenticity is really, really important to me. And I think I'm, I'm on my way to making my life reflect what is like internally really important and valued. Yeah. Along those same lines, what, what are you looking forward to most in the future? Do you have any goals, ambitions? Yeah. Uh, I'm not a few super future oriented person. Sure. I don't think about the future very much, but I feel like with, with Francis, I mean, we've been married for two years. And so I think we're just really excited for our future together and we've been saving for a house and, you know, we're just starting to think about our family and what that's going to look like and having Ford has been really fun. And so I'm just really excited to have those experiences with him and know that he'll be by me even in, all the highs and lows and craziness of life. So yeah, that's um, awesome. yeah. Yeah. So I'm just really thankful for that and excited for how we'll do life together. Sure. Absolutely. Looking back, Savannah, what advice would you tell little Savannah? Oh, um, I think I'd tell her it's okay to feel everything mm. that she's feeling. Uh, I think I, have often believed that other people's needs were much more important than my own Mm. and that my own needs and my own emotions weren't legitimate. I feel that. (laughs) And so I've ignored them for most of my life. And I think I just was filled with all these big feelings and nowhere to put them. And yes, I would say that your needs and emotions are important and it's important to act on them and to find people that are safe that you can express those with and talk to and, um, yeah, that you're good enough and worthy enough for something like that. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. That's awesome. And you are, you are good enough. You are worthy enough. And, Thanks, Shane. Uh, so are you. Yeah. You, uh, I'm really happy that we got to talk and, and got to give, you know, we, we talked about, you know, kind of starting back up and going back, but yeah. I, I just like, I like the whole picture and I like being able to talk and, and kind of get the holistic picture. And we, we talked about a lot of different things, but man, Savannah, you, you're an amazing woman. And, uh, again, like I, I had said on, I think the last little bit that we had, but, um, it's funny that you had never done any events before and before I had met you and I would have never have guessed that, you know, like I, I, you are very capable of so much. And I think you, uh, 
I, I can relate to this, but I think you're a little harder yeah. on yourself than, than you give yourself credit for. And, um, oh, yeah. just know, mm-hmm. just know that you got this and, uh, yeah. I'm really happy well, to I, know you and, and I appreciate this time together. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that. Cause that is super shocking for me to hear because I felt like I was the most insecure incapable person on that project <laughs> um, no, but I'm glad I was yeah I was able to do it and absolutely. yeah I think that you know you're always a little bit stronger than you think you are absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. well plug uh plug your Instagram with 40 40 the oh, dog yeah yeah what is so it this is this has been something that I've incorporated into my life that yeah. is just fun and stupid. It's um, awesome. I don't let I myself it. do a lot of those things. But yeah, my dog has an Instagram and he is a literal model for a bandana company, which is super fun. Yeah, <laughs> he's so, so cute. You got the gr- yeah. the best pictures too. You always have oh. such good pictures. Thanks. That's so nice. Yeah, I, I love it. And I get to... I get to use my writing skills on all those captions, which is really mm-hmm. fun. Um, but yeah, it's 40 the dog at 40 the dog i'll i'll tag it on on the post so get you some traction i appreciate it yeah anything else any advice you want to give to anybody or any thoughts you want to say before we close things out i don't think so i feel like i've said all the thoughts i've ever had (laughs) awesome that's awesome well thank you again thank you so much it's really been great to talk to you yeah thanks so much thanks for coming on the show and thank you everyone for listening I really do appreciate it. We, I say it again and again, but I really do believe that everyone has a story and that everyone's story matters. So thank you for listening and uh, thank you for, for being a part of this journey and sharing, um, yeah, listening to this story and being a part of this process. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed the show today, visit us on Facebook and Instagram. You can like, you can share our posts, you can comment. Uh, if you want to go above and beyond, please do share the Crazy Face Uno podcast with your friends and family or just random friend, random strangers on the street. We're welcome to everyone. Once again, please visit crazyfaceuno.com. There you can buy our merchandise or donate whatever you feel comfortable doing. Your contributions help us share more stories like Savannah's and stories just like yours. Thanks again for listening. I love you all. Peace.